Joining us right now on Unpacking It is Clark Kellogg, a CBS college basketball analyst and an analyst for the NBA 2K franchise. He played college basketball at Ohio State and in the NBA for the Indiana Pacers. He has a wife and three grown children. You can follow him on Twitter at Clark Kellogg CBS. We're excited to have him back on the show to talk basketball, faith, and family. Clark, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Hey, I'm Bryce. Great to be with you, too. And anytime you can talk about those three things, faith and family and basketball, um, I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> we're we're going to have some fun, so I, I appreciate it. And, and, of course, college basketball is returning, so it's a, a great time to talk with you. Uh, but before we jump into that, how has the off season been for you, and and what keeps you busy between March and November? Well, it's been great. I love the seasonality of what I do, Bryce. God has given me a tremendous um, way to make a living. Um, after my playing career ended back in the mid '80s, I started doing some broadcasting for the Pacers on radio and Cleveland State on television, and that's mushroomed into a three decades plus year behind the microphone. And I love the seasonality of it. I go really hard during the hoop season, actually about a month or so before I start preparing. And, and once the games start happening, we're going at it um, pretty much every weekend on assignment somewhere. And then obviously during I'm watching as many as three, four games a day, preparing my um, handy dandy book that I carry around. But the off season was great. Um, I always enjoy the time I get for some recreation through golf time with my wife and things we're doing around our house and involved with a couple of sports ministries, FCA and athletes in action and serving on the board of trustees for my alma mater, the Ohio state university. So I stay um, comfortably occupied the off season. It slows down from the pace of the basketball season, but um, we get a chance to enjoy the downtime. So I try to take advantage of that. Wow. That, no, that's cool. That, that sounds like a ton of fun and, and you'll be uh, getting going here quickly with, with college basketball. And so you, you mentioned that mentioned that little notebook. What what does that look like? What does that what does that mean that when you're watching games and adding to the notebook? Well, I actually take notes on every game that I watch, just in terms of player personnel. How do teams play? What styles of play do they employ? Um, for some of the teams that I'm not as familiar with, I like to know who the head coach is, perhaps assistants. Um, some of the players that are at the non-power conference schools. I really enjoy watching teams from the um, less profile, the less followed conferences across the country. I mean, there's 30-plus college basketball conferences, and I tend to watch um, quite a bit of those teams that may not be. I mean, everything is on television somewhere, it seems, but (laughs) – Obviously, we see a lot of the Power 5 teams a lot more. Actually, Power 6 when you factor in the Big East as well. So, um, But, yeah, I really keep on um, just how did, you know, how did the game go? Who played well? Um, how did they play well? Um, who was the player of the game in my eyes? Are there any players that I'd like to keep an eye on for the rest of this season or going forward? So it's usually just a little small 10 or 12 line assessment of what went on so that I can review it and go back to it during the course of the season. And I fill up a um, really small, um, almost like a um, journal-sized book with figures around the games I've watched. So it gets gets pretty loaded. But by watching and then reading and writing it down, 
it helps me retain it much better. And, you know, Bryce, I'm always thinking about the tournament as I'm preparing oh, yeah. for um, games that I might call during the regular season. But obviously, when we get to that field of 68, I want to have a pretty good handle on those 68 teams that are going to be part of the field of uh, March Madness. That's right. And and so we, we rely on you and your information. And so, uh, so that's cool to hear Clark, <laughs> Clark Kellogg, our guest right now on unpacking it, uh, CBS college basketball analyst. And, and of course the, the games are, are getting going uh, this week. And so uh, for, for many fans, we're, we're excited about the return of, of college basketball, but then of course we have the, the fringe fans and, and a lot of them don't start following it closely until March Madness. So, so what about mm-hmm. this season has you convinced that fans need to start watching right away in November? Yeah, you know what? Quite honestly, there's so many great matchups at the beginning of the season. I mean, you've got the State Farm Classic in Indianapolis with Kansas and Michigan State, Duke and Kentucky. You've got the CBS Sports Classic, which will include Ohio State, UCLA, North Carolina, and Kentucky and Chicago. You've got the Crossroads Classic. Uh, in December as well with uh, the four Indiana schools, Notre Dame, Indiana, Butler, and Purdue. Uh, You've got the Maui Classic. I mean, there's just so much really good, high-quality competition taking place during the month of November and into December that uh, if you can break away from college and pro football, you'll be be glad. You'll be glad that you did. And, you know, for those who aren't able to, but that's, but those are the reasons that you would jump into watching. And then there's nothing quite like the beginning of any season. There's always a level of excitement that you can't duplicate other than at the beginning of the season. So that's always exciting, but a ton of really um, good high quality matchups across the board um, through the month of November and into December. Well, so uh, of course we we know the the Dukes and Carolinas and Kentuckys and and Kansases and and a lot of those teams end up being loaded with freshmen and and highly touted yeah. guys that that are coming in. Are, are there some returning players across the country that that you're most excited to kind of see back and and see how they kind of you know grow and expand on what they did last year? Yeah, there's a ton of those kind of guys around. I mean, you think about the run Kansas State had. Um, to the Elite Eight last year, and one of their best players, Dean Wade, was hurt near the end of the season. He came back and played some, but he wasn't 100%. And he and Barry Brown, both are outstanding players returning from Kansas State. Xavier Sneed as well. Um, Florida's got a couple of seniors returning, Jalen Hudson and Kayvon Allen, um, Jawan Morgan at Indiana. I mean, there's a ton of upperclassmen across the country as you look at rosters that you're excited to see come back and to see how they play in their junior and senior seasons. You always have the injection of outstanding and highly touted first-year players that create an awful lot of buzz, have done so over the last really 15 years or so when um, we first had the rule with the NBA where you had to be 19 and one year removed from college to be eligible for the draft, that kids that would perhaps consider jumping straight from high school to the pros coming to college for a year. So we've got a ton of those potential NBA-type talents that'll be first-year players in college basketball. And it's always kind of fun to see if they can live up to the hype, (laughs) if they can meet those expectations. And uh, there are a number of outstanding first-year guys that – 
are going to be um, excelling at perennial power teams, but also um, some of the teams that may be a tad below the well. That's right. No, it's going to be fun to see and, and can't wait for it to get going. And, and so one of the, the other big storylines just kind of picking up from last year's tournament is, is just the fact that Virginia, which has been a top team the last few seasons, and then, of course, they, they lose to a 16 seed. I, I read that, that you're actually picking them to get back to or get to the Final Four and really bounce back uh, after that tough loss. What, why do you think that? And, and kind of what are your thoughts on that, that whole storyline just from last year and now heading into a fresh season? caveat is anytime you're trying to make projections in November for what's going to happen in March, you can have a little fun with it all. I mean, quite honestly, I don't take myself too seriously, but there are some elements that I think bode well for Virginia. One, it's a terrific basketball program under the leadership of Tony Bennett and his staff for the last several years. I mean, they've been one of the outstanding programs during the regular season in the history of the sport for the last five or six years. Now the tournament success has gone wanting. That doesn't change the quality of that program. And they've got really good talent. They've got upperclassmen returning. They've got a great coach. And I think they will be sufficiently motivated and galvanized by the pain of what happened last year. They won't linger there, Mm. nor can you, but they won't dismiss it either because it's happened. It's the first time that it's happened. I don't know if we'll see it happen again, but there won't ever be another first time for a 16 to beat a one. Yeah. And so that clearly is part of Virginia's story and history. It's not an ideal part, but it is what it is. And I just think the makeup of that staff and Tony Bennett's leadership and the talent they have, will give them a chance. Perhaps sometimes, you know, when the expectations are greatest, you might not meet them. When things have not gone as well as you want them to, that sometimes leads to things coming together in a better fashion. So that was part of my rationale. They're good enough. They're certainly well coached enough. The, um, sometimes your greatest successes come on the heels of your greatest disappointments. Mm. Amen. I'm right there with you, and I think I think Bennett will get those those guys uh, bouncing back as well. So it's going to be fun to see them uh, get back into the tournament, and and you know just remind people just how good they are, and and move past that for sure. Clark Kellogg, our guest. yeah, well, you got to go through the regular season. You got through the regular season, though, Bryce. But they've shown they can do that <laughs> at a high level. Well, I know. I guess some of these teams you just you, you always assume, but uh, but you're right. You got to get get through a tough ACC, and we we know there's some up and coming teams in the ACC as well. Um, so yeah, there's no, no guarantees for sure. Uh, Clark Kellogg, our guest right now on unpacking it. He's the CBS college basketball analyst. Uh, but, but we, we love Clark and, and love talking basketball with him. And, and Clark, we, uh, we know that, that faith is so important to you and, and you're, you're such a, an outspoken, uh, believer. And, and so even, even to your, uh, your point just now where you're talking about sometimes your, your biggest success comes off, uh, the heels of defeat. When, when you look back at your life, are there some of those moments that, that you can remember and, and lean on where you've seen God work through the, the disappointments that ended up leading to something even better? Oh, clearly. I mean, uh, oftentimes in our own life's journey, there are certain things or circumstances that point us to a place of reevaluating our faith. I mean, I was not a Christian in 1980. 
five and not did not become a Christian until 1986 when I surrendered my heart and life to God through faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life through a personal relationship of faith with Jesus Christ to, who died for my sins and um, whom God raised to life after the third day and through whom you can have standing with God by faith. And it's a gift. So it was partly due to my knee injury that ended my career. That was one of the elements that moved me to a place of um, recognizing my need for a savior as a sinful man. And since then I've sought to walk in that relationship, but uh, there were people in my life that had a relationship with Christ that oftentimes would challenge me about where I stood in my own personal relationship before I became a Christian. That was an element that led to my accepting Christ. Uh, my wife's influence was part of that equation, my knee injury. Uh, oftentimes it's a combination of events or people that stir your heart to wonder about what God says about who you are and how you should live and who he should be in your life. And so um, clearly I've seen evidence of God's hand, obviously in my conversion to Christianity and my coming to faith, but even through the journey now, which is closing in on um, 32 years. Wow. It was November of 86 when I my heart and life to Christ. And since then, in marriage of 35 years and having three children born in 87, 89, and 91, and some of the challenges and trials and joys and blessings, and my wife and I, me and my wife's relationship, how that's continued to grow, um, the blessing of working in basketball and the capacity that I have, um, the disappointment of being part of the lead announced team for five years with Jim Nance and then being somewhat surprised by being asked to go back in the studio in 2013. Um, those kinds of things all are part of the fabric of one's journey. And sometimes they're really um, exhilarating highs that remind you of God's goodness. And other times it's through the difficulties that you're reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness, even in the um, the heartache of loss mm. or the disappointment of your career going a different direction than you anticipated or the stubbing of the toe of one of your children in a way that is off the beaten path and causes some heartache. So there are any number of, of things that God uses, and all of it is useful. None of it is wasted, wasted in, in God's economy. Amen. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's a, an awesome perspective. And, and also, just as a, as a man of God, when, when you interact with people and, and when you look at society and culture, what, what concerns you? And, and, and is there a specific message or, or perspective that you try to, to share with people? And just something that's, that's really on your heart that you want, you want people to know? Well, obviously, we're in a very, very um, unsettled and divisive climate across uh, our country. Um, we see it with all types of incidents. Uh, you know, as we talked just recently, we're still feeling the effects of 11 Jewish Americans being um, tragically murdered in the um, Pittsburgh area at a Tree of Life synagogue. Um, two African-American folks shot just because they're black down in Atlanta. Mm. Um, countless circumstances where we've had unarmed African-Americans males 
uh, shot by law enforcement. Uh, I mean, you go across the board, there's a ton to cause you to be sobered, to cause you to be concerned, to cause, uh, I guess, so those things are very sobering Mm. and very concerning in terms of um, the lack of moral um, direction across leadership in many places in our country, the divisiveness, uh, the nastiness within our political arena. I mean, those are all things that are troublesome and um, concerning. Uh, my posture as a, as a Christ follower is simply to continue to surrender my life to the Lordship of, of Jesus Christ, to the uh, power of his spirit and word, and to live that by loving God and loving others. Mm. Uh, and you do that in a lot of different ways. You do that by making sure your relationship with God is in good order on a personal level. You do that by loving other people. You do that by elevating the humanity of all, regardless of some differences. At the very basic level, all of us are created by God. We can choose to become children of God through faith in Christ, but we're all created by God to reflect his image and Whatever our differences might be, um, there's tremendous power in uh, loving others and uh, being intentional about that and being intentional about unity, being intentional about seeking peace and the higher ground for the greater good, elevating other folks. So I tend to focus my heart on who Christ is and who God is in me through Christ and to live that out daily Mm. in the um, small details and in the big circumstances of the life that God gives me and to try to encourage other folks to do that and to encourage folks to um, speak up for what's right Mm. and to speak out against what's wrong. And I want to make sure that I'm trying to do that um, in my own life as I try to encourage others to do that. What a great word. Clark Kellogg, CBS college basketball analyst, uh, really encouraging to uh, to hear that from from him today, and, and I hope that that resonates with with people. And and, and Clark too, just for for you uh, personally, what what has God been been doing in your life, and and what have you felt maybe uh, called to do, or or something that you you want to change personally, or or something that that you've been focusing on uh, just personally as you follow Jesus. Yeah, you know the. The Bible says that we're to add to our faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if we possess those things in increasing measure, they keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of um, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so my desire is to continue to be growing, to allow God to work in me to will and act according to his pleasure and to be more intentional about using my voice, speaking Mm. up, to speaking up for those things that are right, to speaking to folks about the the love of God, to speak about it, but also to um, walk about it. And um, when you do that, then you're uh, giving, giving God cause to call you his friend. Um, and it goes back to, to loving him and loving others. I'm on a quest for him helping me, me to become more 
a reflective, you know, a reflection of his image in the earth. And it's uh, a journey that I'm never going to reach the full destination, but we're going to attempt to get closer and closer with each day. And just really surrendering, Bryce. Yeah. I mean, that ultimately is where it begins on a personal level, to surrender all to the to the lordship and authority of, uh, of God through Christ. Um, talents, time, treasure, um, all that I am should uh, be under his authority and, and lordship and direction. And that's, um, that's a choice. And that's a choice that I've made and want to be faithful in. Um, living out that choice. Amen. What what a great example for for all of us. So appreciate that. And and I know too, along with your your faith, your your family's important to you. And you've got three kids. And you you mentioned being married thirty five years to your wife. So so how's your family doing? And and how has has this stage of life uh, been for you and your wife? Yeah, it's been really good. It's been a sweet season. We actually added two granddaughters in the last two years. They're both two years old. One nice. of our children, our old our daughter. Um, has one of the girls and then our son and his wife um, has our other granddaughter and they're both here local. So that's unbelievably sweet and joy filled. Actually it's um, indescribable joy on uh, multiple levels to um, see your children being parents and to see um, their children as becoming, you know, obviously your grandchildren. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful cycle of life experience that um, has to be experienced because it really can't adequately be explained um, outside of the experience of it. And uh, more blessings than challenges Cool. in uh, our family's journey. Obviously, there's a mixture of both, um, but um, we're, uh, we're grateful and attempting to be humble in how we live and impactful in how we influence others uh, by reflecting and resembling and representing Christ in, in all that we are and all that we do. That's cool. No, I'd love to hear that. Clark Kellogg from CBS College Basketball uh, with us here on Unpacking It. And, and last thought, uh, you, you mentioned earlier making the transition from the, uh, the sideline broadcasting to the, to the studio team. And, and, of course, we watch you all during March Madness, and, and you're a part of that, you know, that great team with Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley. And so what, what has that process been like for you working alongside them, especially since, you know, they're together all season and then you're kind of uh, then yeah, a, a yeah. part of it with, with them for, for a month. And so uh, what's that balance been yeah. like? And then, and then of course, the, 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 the seriousness of, of covering college basketball with the unpredictability of Barkley. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah it's a wonderful journey, actually. You know, Greg Gumbel is part of our group as well and Seth Davis on occasion. But by and large, once we get beyond Selection Sunday, then I'm with – Greg, Ernie, Kenny, and Charles, and we have a terrific time. There's great chemistry and rapport and respect among us. Um, there's a great team that you all don't see as viewers that works with us, that helps us to do what we do and to bring enjoyment and information to our um, coverage of the games. So I'm extremely happy to be doing what I'm doing with the people I'm doing it with. It's a lot of fun. It's predictable in many ways, but I hope and I feel as though we bring something of added value to the enjoyment of those who are watching the game. Our desire is to serve um, the game um, and to serve the fans. And if we can do that at a high level, then we obviously are uh, checking the boxes of what our responsibility is. And we have fun 
in the process. So it takes time to establish chemistry with new folks. And I think we've gotten better each year that I've been in there with them. And um, I look very much forward to it every year. It's only a few weeks that we get to hang out together, but it's uh, well worth it. And according to the fans and our, uh, and our bosses, it's, it's, uh, it's working out pretty well. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I love watching you guys, and, and I watch inside the NBA all season for, for NBA, and then to, to see you interacting yeah. with them, it's just a fun dynamic. I, I love it, and I, I think you're right. It, it has you know, just improved over the years. You guys are more comfortable with each other, and so it's a, it's a real joy to, yeah, to watch. Well, so. I appreciate those comments. Man. Yeah, we look forward to it. and We are, as Charles likes to say, we're not solving any world problems it's just basketball y'all so we try we try to keep it in that vein yeah that's right well basketball is back and and the nba is already going and now college basketball returns and so we'll be uh we'll be watching you clark and and keep up the great work and really appreciate uh the 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 stand that you make for for being a follower of jesus and we appreciate you spending some time on unpacking it today oh my pleasure bryce great to visit with you um outstanding job always to catch up and talk about those things that are real and important. And um, enjoy the conference season. It should be another uh, entertaining journey to a championship. Can't wait. He's Clark Kellogg, CBS College basketball analyst, joining us here on Unpacking It.